into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Greetings, the damn. Damn America. I don't know why I did it like that this time. Long, drawn out. Uh, welcome to Pod Damn America, the gothic socialist podcast for idiots. Um, my name is Jake Flores. Uh, I've got the full fucking crew in today. Uh, I've got with me Alex Patek. Grab some eggnog. It's story time. Hell yeah. Rock of Meta. Hey. Oh, nice. <laughs> Anders Lee. Anders Lee here. And special guest from Champagne Sharks. T, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, man? Good, good. Good to finally get you in here. Um, welcome, everyone, to our sort of uh, News of the Week roundup for this week. It is, as I'm recording this, November 27th, 2018. Um, what the fuck is going on in the world right now? Uh, everyone's horny for Beto for some reason. Mm. This woman tweeted on, uh, on Twitter um, something about him fucking her so hard that her calves cramped up or something. Um, yes. I only bring this up because something else happened. That same woman tweeted something this week that I thought was, uh, well, it, she didn't do anything wrong, but she just, you know. <laughs> There's something wrong with her calves. <laughs> <laughs> the same woman, somebody pointed out. She doesn't have health care <laughs> to get them fixed. I still that I think is kind of telling is that she, you know, she was so clearly so thirsty for Beto, right? Um, then this week, I think a lot of people started going through, you know, Beto's like, um, like uh, closet skeletons and you know, sort of dirty money and stuff, and we have to start actually looking at him and going. They saw his fat pics. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Wh- his closet skeletons are all skateboarding. What's <laughs> What's gonna go wrong if this guy actually runs for president? Because all these people want him to run for president, right? And so. Anyways, in the middle of all this, he just has a meeting with, uh, like, Texans of APAC, and he tweets out this, you know, this, oh, I had a great meeting with APAC, Texans, and, um, you know, our fucking <laughs> allies in the region, all this stuff, right? So he shows his own ass. Uh, he's clearly, like, well, yeah, he's not this progressive person, yada, yada, yada. So the only reason I bring that up is because simultaneously, this woman who was horny for Beto, um, She's obviously someone who's addicted to social media and uh, tweets out, you know, sort of, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. She, she tweeted out a picture of the tear gas in Tijuana where they gassed these you know people going over the yeah. border. There was this big viral picture of this, like these kids in diapers. They got tear gas. She goes, oh, my God, this is horrible, right? So that's kind of weird because, you know, you look at her and you go, hey, you like Beto so much. Have you ever seen pictures of Gaza? Um, maybe you should look into this, right? But the only reason I'm telling this story is because it comes around full circle where I was reading the, the replies to her tweets and some guy just ha- happened to um, reply and say, oh, I, I guess these, these Mexicans are using their children as human shields now, right? Which is like terrible and dumb and, uh, you know, wrong. It's wrong. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and I was reading this and I was like, rumor. wow, people on the internet are so horrible, you know? And then I was like, wait a minute. And I looked at his avatar, his, like, Avi on Twitter, and I was like, this can't be right. And I clicked on it and I zoomed in, and this racist guy, his Twitter avatar is a picture of him with Gabriel, Gabriel Iglesias. 
Oh, dun, cool. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> the fat comedian guy with the Hawaiian shirt. It goes all the way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> so Follow the, Magic Mike's money. So this like super xenophobic crazy rando guy I found on Twitter loves Gabriel Iglesias like enough to make his own profile picture. <laughs> He's a man of contradiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, all of that horrible shit I just said uh, I guess should set the tone for what's going on in the week. Um, every, every No one has any actual beliefs that don't contradict each other all those you know? people always have their favorite comedian is always some like hacky theater comedian like sebastian maniscalco or like chris DeLeo or something it's always <laughs> like here's me with uh fucking lewis black or something he's not <laughs> hacky but you know what i'm saying jim yeah. gaffigan yeah. wants to build the wall like 10 years like 10 years ago they were definitely into what's the guy's name carlos mencia carlos mencia oh yeah, 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 yeah who yeah, stole yeah. one of the greatest wall jokes about who's gonna who's gonna build that wall Oh, who did he steal that from? I think it was Ari. Uh, it was Ari <laughs> Shafir, I think. Oh, oh yeah. fuck! That makes While sense. Ari oh, Shafir wow. is doing the amazing racist thing, <laughs> 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 we've set the tone this week, and Man, the tone is fucked up. It, <laughs> imagine how it would be like if Carlos Mencia wishes he was exposed as a joke thief right now. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. the least worst thing you right. could do as a comedian. It's <laughs> 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 like I got railroaded for this shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, rather tame by today's standards, yeah. as it turns out. It's about um, ethics and comedy journalism. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like when that uh, that wall thing was going, wow, I can't believe the wall thing even goes back that far. Um, yeah. Crazy to think about. But um, I feel like it, for our, someone like Ari Shafir to come out and be like, hey, you stole that joke from me. It's like saying like you stole, I don't know, like some... Uh, kind of public domain kind of joke. Right. That's like, I mean, I was doing comedy in Texas at the time, and that was like every fucking show you went to, someone was like, who's going to build the wall, huh? Yeah. You know? Damn. I don't know. I don't mean to start co like stand-up comedy beef on this show. That shit That's happens like, all the time. There's always like a veteran comic and then like a micer, and they're like, you stole that... <laughs> Hundred, uh, you miss a hundred shots you don't take. Alcoholics <laughs> joke for me. Like that, oh, that happens like every fucking year. Six yeah. years ago, I was at the dentist and said it was tooth hurty. <laughs> <laughs> you have no right to that money. <laughs> I fucking love that joke, and no one ever gets it when I say it. I don't think I deliver it very well. <laughs> the worst is people like that on Twitter. You ever see people get mad about stolen tweets? Like yeah. get yeah. really worked up about it. Yeah. It's like nobody's making money off of this thing. I don't even understand. Yeah, you like, well, <laughs> except the fat J-E-W, you know. Oh, yeah, except for him. Who? The fat <laughs> oh. He spelled it out, oh. so, he, you know, it won't show oh. up in the search. <laughs> oh, sorry. We can't say his name. We can't. <laughs> Read we you can't. loud and clear. The plump. Uh, he just steals our podcast. <laughs> he starts covering. He just does our podcast. Yeah. He just aggregates our podcast. <laughs> he starts. Yeah, tweeting. so my bike got stolen. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty fucked up. Oh, yeah. uh, and now uh, the DHS is here. Right. <laughs> Makes he way more money. <laughs> Was it exploding? Exploding Samsungs. That's the other one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, dude, steal Dan Nina's material. Complete the circle of comedy. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, there was another stolen bit thing that was really funny a few years ago when, um, when uh, like, Amy Schumer and Patrice O'Neill were doing the same bit that was just a frat guy joke, and then, like, there was all this 
hearsay about oh the donkey punch joke yeah which is a joke for children by children like that's a joke that (laughs) someone tells you in middle school yeah i wrote it in the cafeteria in eighth grade (laughs) yeah I actually oh. had my first year in comedy. I uh, wrote <laughs> donkey punch. <laughs> well, close. I uh, had a really solid five minutes. It was killer. Right. Yeah. And it turned out I didn't realize this. I but it was the same five minutes as Monique. <laughs> <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> oh, I was so invested in that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, um, I guess. One thing we could start off by talking about is this terrible Lena Dunham piece that came out this week. Um, I think I might be the only person who's made it to the end. <laughs> it's terrible oh. for Lena Dunham. I'll explain. Is it? Yeah, I, I feel She's like Dunham. I feel strangely sympathetic to her, and I don't like it. Like it's gonna be hard to just like go in on her. Um, yeah, no, it's a good piece because it's not really a hit piece. It just yeah. makes you feel bad for her. It's just an episode of girls. It's just Lena <laughs> Dunham existing, and it's which is simultaneously a, a hit piece. Simultaneously have sympathy for me. And, and there's a paragraph I'm on right here where I don't know if this makes Jemima Crook a great friend or like a terrible one, but it talks about how she had a hysterectomy, and she's crying to Jemima Crook, "Who's gonna want to date me?" I have PTSD and no uterus. And Kirk's answer is a soldier who hates condoms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's both like a great joke, but like a terrible friend <laughs> response. Like, Yeah. Well, there is something about like Lena Dunham's waspy upbringing that she even invokes in this article a few times when she talks about like some of the controversies about uh, things she said, or she explains them away as these like sort of... Um, you know, sort of uh, sassy, like, uh, like waspy, you know, ironic jokes. Like she says a few times that that things that she got in trouble for were jokes like of that ilk that would be, uh, you know, not. She she almost kind of comes off a little bit like an edge lord in parts of this. Where yeah, she's like, right. Yeah. You know, me and my friends, you know, we have this sophisticated sense of humor that, by today's standards, you know, w- would get you in trouble for actually just, you know, I was just being ironic or whatever. It's really weird. Like, I b- for the stuff I think me and T are going to record later. I've been reading also a bunch of uh, Ga- Gavin McGinnis. There's a lot shit. of overlap. Yeah. I've, to me, they seem like two sides of a very strange coin. Mm. You know, I was thinking the other day when, when I was watching the John Stewart make that you know terrible trans joke, you know, with uh, Kucinich. You guys remember yeah, that one? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And Chick with a dick. Yeah, and it was weird because that was the odds. Like the odds was strangely regressive, way more than ten years ago should have been. I don't know what happened. Like that was like I think the odds. I know was, what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the odds was when everybody thought problems were over, that we were post-racial, we were post everything. So you can just say whatever you want. You know well, what I mean? I distinctly remember post 9-11 there being a much lower threshold for jokes in the classroom that were involved race. Like little kids. In, I live in Virginia at the time. So little kids would tell racist jokes. And before 9-11, you joked about like brown people. It's not really okay. After 9-11, no holds bar. We're at war now. Yeah. Because you different. have to. You war have starts to, at home. You have to otherize and demonize somebody. And that goes to every strain of society, including... And the flip side on it, too, where if you, like, mention the idea of the military, but he has to be like, those are some great guys. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, that was that was political correctness in yeah, the yeah. early aughts. The whole thank like, you for your service thing. Yeah, don't insult the troops. 
Yeah, it's weird. I mean, you see that was like misgendering somebody. If you suggest that a, tr- a troop is like not a- entirely valiant human being, just by just because they weren't a born a troop. <laughs> I remember. I remember. I was in a media class in 2010, and there was one guy in there who would like, by today's standards, be like, I guess you're like SJW type, and he was the yeah. one, he would always like say stuff like, that. and uh, and th- the topic of the troops came up. And I was like, support the troops is like a bullshit slogan. It like doesn't mean anything. And then it's a distraction, blah, blah, blah. And then um, and this guy it was like got really in my face about it. He's like, well, what do you mean? You don't support the troops? I'm like, well, what, the, what the fuck do you mean by that? Like, by, And now everyone says it's like a hack line. It's like by paying your taxes or whatever. And he like got very defensive. And then like my teacher like cut me off. And he's like, okay, we're going to move. So that never <laughs> happened before. It's like I had this pretty liberal teacher, but it's like, oh, yeah, this is something we can't touch. It's mm. like is the is the U.S. Army donating <laughs> to this class? I don't get it. Yeah, oh, a, a weird thing was like the firefighters and policemen became the troops too for a short time. Like, oh yeah, firefighters were like the troops. You couldn't <laughs> make a firefighter <laughs> joke, or, or you had to like respect them when they came by. It was yeah, like, no, no one was getting laid more than New York cops and firefighters. <laughs> like yeah. from 2002 to yeah. 2005. If you made a joke about a Chinese fire drill, people would be like, "Hey, the, the racist part is all right, <laughs> but you respect our men in uniform." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's hard work. <laughs> Change that to Foxconn factory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I guess post, you're right. Like post 9/11 there was this like uh we're looking at everything that's happening now culturally and starting to kind of deconstruct what the weird like simmering, you know, just combination of things was that all this stuff sprang forth from and it's like yeah, there was like this weird uh, patriotism and abandonment of a lot of, you know, th- thought pre nine eleven. Um, there was also like into Obama, like I think a lot of just introspection because for like waspy people like Lena Dunham, it was like, yeah, everything's fine, you know, right. yeah. race, racism has been solved, etc. Well, well, yeah, and like speaking to like the collective amnesia is that uh, because the Iraq War was so bad and people don't know how to comprehend or you know they're given to this binary and then they, they they don't know the full length of like the atrocities of Vietnam or even things Clinton did is they thought well. As long as we get rid of this Bush guy, like war will not, we won't endure any more of this under Obama. Like there's still like a glimmer of hope there. Yeah, he's yeah. the closest you get to electing Green Day president. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't do that. No. <laughs> 2020, baby. Um, speaking of Obama, uh, there's something interesting about like what's happening on the border right now with the migrant caravan, which is that um, you know, obviously this is like terrible. They you know tear gas somebody. I think a child died, and it's this big. You know, viral story now, but somebody inevitably, if you talk about this long enough, will bring up the fact that like this did happen under Obama too. I think I looked up. Um, I don't know. It's, it's I'll I'll link to it or whatever. But um, there's a fucking uh, you know an analysis of it that tells you from t- uh, 2013 forward there were like 126 uses of tear gas on the border. So it's nothing new, but. Um, it's been bad the whole time, folks. Yeah, he built I, he he built the IDC centers. He built the infrastructure. Uh, my oh. friend Mike McRae said on Twitter something that was really interesting to me, which is that uh, he was like, "Hey, Republicans, you can't simultaneously be like, finally, someone is doing something about the border, and Obama also did this. Like those two things." cancel each other out you know except they can and they're great at it yeah (laughs) (laughs) they contradict themselves all the time 
I guess they just don't care, yeah. <laughs> but if we say they do that on Twitter, they will stop. Right, right, yeah. right. Right, right, right. Can't defeat them with logic. Because it's debate class. Right. Um, it's it's kind of random, but I was thinking, like, Le- Lena Dunham, I feel like because of how she looked, and she was in Brooklyn when Brooklyn was, like, really uh, becoming very mainstreamed and stuff, she kind of got pegged as the voice of a generation for, like, 2010s Brooklyn, but I think her sensibility was actually the arts Brooklyn of like Terry Richardson and Gavin McInnes mm, and right. early Vice, and I think she was kind of out of date. I think she was time. in 1920s Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. She was a flapper. <laughs> she does look like a photo of a woman like from the past. Yeah. <laughs> she, she was friends with Zelda Fitzgerald. Yeah. <laughs> she was Gel- Zelda Fitzgerald's wild friend. <laughs> I mean, I do think it's cool that like she uh, has <coughs> uh, that she had that body type and was able to like uh, I guess make that more palatable for people who are you know to to have that image out there is important. Um, but like I, we were talking before the show, like it seemed like she had everything given to her really early on in terms of being an artist, being a, a filmmaker or someone who's making media like that, the, like making girls. That's something that takes most people who are in that position 10 years to, to work up to that. And they develop the skills to do that. She had all this just handed to her at once. And part of those skills, one thing is like thinking about what you're making and, and what the broader implications of it are and like and I think some of this has to do with growing up in neoliberalism but like art to her and a lot of that sort of click of people it's not political it's just about me you know and that's kind of what I think why I stopped I liked girls at first but I, as I more I watched it, it was like this is just about one's one person's interiority and they're like very specific life and, well, and like this doesn't really say anything else. like that so personal the, things are important but like art's got to be more than that the thing that she said though like i don't know her whole career starts off with this like weird um sort of misunderstanding or at least something that she's gone back on and sort of um you know said got misinterpreted which is that the initial joke of girls is her being this self-involved uh you know fucking Brooklynite white yeah. girl saying I think I'm the voice of a generation and then you're supposed to watch the show and understand oh this is an unlikable character and this is going to be sort of a criticism <laughs> of herself her character is the noid but then it sort of goes on to actually imply no maybe I really am the voice <laughs> of a I think but my, my theory is she was trying to write a likable character but her metric for a likable character <laughs> is only marginally better than the unlikable so when she switches from like unlikable to like, like like she has no con- like her contrast is marginally better so she can't actually she doesn't have enough knowledge of what a likable person is like to accurately do a show about an unlikable person because <laughs> everybody ends up different degrees of unlikable she right. can't she's like having trouble uh, engaging in wrestling dynamics and trying to turn heel and shit and like doesn't really know how to pull it off yeah, <laughs> yeah, her, yeah, yeah. her idea of re- relatability is what like Jada Apatow does on Fallon like it's like what would he say there because they were like close friends with his her family or whatever yeah it's true well that's why I like she her, got those deals her kind of uh, uh, something about the like the, the kind of Obama era of just like art and stuff has always been really interesting to me is like you know I feel like um, so I had this 
this meeting with a like an agent one time or whatever, and he said something stuck with me. Secret agent. Secret agent. But he wanted to represent me for stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm trying to get out of the CIA. <laughs> yeah. All you I'm have to do. To take down the, the hours suck. Is join a gang. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a I'm a Russian chaos agent, but only through doing stand-up comedy in bars in front of ten people. No, um, he wanted you to. Kill people, literally, like to get, <laughs> you know, enemies of the state in an audience and have them laugh to death. What a mm-hmm. hilarious miscommunication that was. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy said something to me that I thought was really interesting. It, it, real early on in me doing stand-up, this kind of stuck with me where he was like, yeah, I look at people when I do these showcases and I, um, you know, the, the thing that I always look at with comedians, to, you know, w- when I want to make a decision to decide whether they're, like ripe they're like ready they like have a point of view is do they talk about themselves or do they go out and talk about outward shit like society and he goes you know you watch like um you know fucking tom papa or something he comes out he just starts talking at the audience and then you watch when you watch new people people that are like doing open mics and stuff they always go here's my background i'm from this state uh here's you know i'm this whatever this race my parents did this it's always like autobiographical this is what i look like uh-huh. uh, and these are my games uh-huh. if there are any agents are you watching. telling me there's another comic out there who's telling the audience what they look like <laughs> that's my shtick no yeah. that's monique's shtick Damn yeah, it. you yeah. can't keep stealing it you're not a woman of color <laughs> it doesn't make any sense when you do it <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, that was but even think pieces are like that. Think pieces now is always like, as a transgender like suicide bomber, I <laughs> have to like, like, like they have to like preface what or who they are before yeah. speaking on the thing, uh, and it's supposed to like just automatically imply that you're um, knowledgeable, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or qualified, and it works in reverse too. If you're not that, people can just go on Twitter and be like. Like, um, there's a story I, like, like I uh, tell over and over again, but I shouldn't because it's not that good. But it's... <laughs> it's uh, uh, welcome to our podcast. <laughs> 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 but uh, I was talking about the Star Wars movie once, and I was talking about how I didn't like how they made the um, Asian character look like uh, kind of like a stereotypical like Funko Pop having like Comic-Con girl. Right. She's, acting like, she's supposed to be a mechanic in a... Resistance Army, and she's just running around like fangirling over uh, Finn. I'm like, no, that's a weird stereotypical choice. Yeah. And then this editor from Marvel, I don't know if she was name searching or what. This editor from Marvel slash Disney just pops in my mention. She's like, well, you spoken to any Asian women about, you know, how they feel about what you said? Maybe we should talk to them. I'm like, I'm sure there's some Asian women who don't like the character. Like, I don't think it's like, <laughs> yeah. but, you yeah. know, there's a lot of Asian people out there. And then this, this, this white guy comes in, and he's like, well, I think maybe we should talk to an Asian woman before you uh, speak. And then an Asian woman who actually works <laughs> works for Marvel popped in. Shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. An Asian woman from, from Marvel who does art, does, does covers and stuff. Pops in. She goes, oh, "Actually, I'm an Asian woman. Me and all my friends don't like the character either." And they all just disappeared. <laughs> they no Spread them out. You erased them. <laughs> she, she, she erased them. I have a I have a great example of this, um, and I've definitely I've. I, it's. I don't think I've talked to you about it. I think I've. T- uh, sure. Maybe Ishmael talks about it, but um, uh, there are uh, Indian comics who hate when you do the Indian voice. Right. That's an established That's thing. Me. That's you for yep. sure. It's probably several people. But um, <laughs> you're I, an I, Indian I, comic. Hearing this, yeah, I'm talking about um, you. Uh, 
I had this guy on my show a while ago who uh, I saw in another city and was killing just kind of talking about himself, and he's a black gay guy. So uh, he talks about how he's a black gay guy, but he was raised homophobic, and that's hilarious. Uh, And he put that in the set, but he opened his set the la- next time I had him with just long impressions of Indian people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of like, if you put this in the middle, maybe someone would have let you get away with it. But I don't know. It didn't work for you. <laughs> Look, I love when that happens because all the like the woke laugh gets their, recept- their, their receptors mixed up. So they're like, should we <laughs> laugh? We don't know. You know? <laughs> ah, fuck. I need screenshots. Yeah. Wait, so Jake, but this agent was like, Oh, so I'm looking for people who talk about their identity. No, he was like, I'm looking for the second kind of person. He's like, I, I don't what? think he's oh, a, okay. he's kind of framed it as like I think when people start off creatively, at least, and this was during like Obama, he was oh, like, um, you know, people tend to start off in this autobiographical way, and then if they sort of like um, reach the second phase or whatever of being a comic. Um, they grow into writing like outwardly, like you know, walking on stage and, and talking about society and stuff, and not talking about yourself. Like he kind of framed talking about yourself autobiographically as being kind of hacky and being like a, a fearful impulse that people have in their first six months of open miking or whatever. And mm-hmm. it really stuck with me because I noticed, you know, then I went and like um, uh, I I did stand up for diversity like real early on in the <laughs> fucking finals and um, men with beards need representation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I like it's just shaky with being half Mexican shit all the time, but did like you... even back then, full on just people look like Anders were just going in and just going <laughs> like, listen, you know, <laughs> like no one paid that fucking program any respect, <laughs> and now it's not you did even the first year of it. No, 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 no. It's been around for a long time. Oh, okay. I did like uh, year seven or something like that. Oh, I see. Um, early, man, if you look back in the, the early days of that, like Hannibal was in it and shit. And it was like. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. But then also there's just a sea of like un- people you've never heard of. Hannibal is black whatever. from what I hear. Uh, he is. <laughs> it's true. Just like you. You call him yeah. like you see him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Social media avatars are all misleading. I try um, to keep people off the case. But I noticed when I went to uh, San Antonio, which is like a real poor working class uh, city, um, a lot of uh, non-white people there, um, everybody, every single person's audition was, so I'm uh, this race and this race, which means uh, yada, yada, yada. Everyone's doing the Dan Nine and joke. <laughs> oh, God. Um, they all would just tell you where they buy their sushi. So at least for me, that always kind of stuck with me, which is and to say, I don't think I don't think uh, writing autobiographically from your own experience is bad, but it as like a major point of view that everyone is coming from, um, you know, and something that maybe you should break out of at least, or at least actively try to. To me, Lena Dunham is really symptomatic of that. I think or at the time of Lena Dunham, at the yeah. time of girls, like that. that Indie rock was real popular. You know, everything was real introspective, and it was like, hey, everything's fine in the world if you're, you know, middle class and well off or whatever. So now is this time culturally to like look into your soul. And you stuff. could do existential dread because you didn't have other problems, right? Yeah. And if you do that now during Trump, like you're an asshole, right? Yeah, right. No one wants to hear your, Keep your about dread your, to yourself. Your dating <laughs> life, like yeah, who gives yeah, yeah. a shit, right? Fuck you. Yeah, I, I think there was like a wave one of hipsters that started around 2001, 2002. That was kind of apathetic self-absorbed just cared about just like getting unicycles and shit and <laughs> had no <laughs> politics and then it kind of got several waves like, i don't think hipsters even exist anymore because it's not really a scene it's just kind of a mainstream aesthetic you know but now people who look like what those hipsters look like back then are into politics or into socialism it's a very different scene and i feel like she was she came in with the old sensibility at a mm. time when it was changing to the new sensibility and 
everybody thought that she was actually mocking the old sensibility, but she was just being herself. She like, was just like that. Yeah, she yeah. was just like In that. She had nothing to, yeah. insightful to say about it. Yeah. In order to keep up with the changes in the culture, she should have been bringing around a large snake. <laughs> <laughs> that was early 2010s Brooklyn. I think maybe like she, if she had fully embraced, you know, like writing an autobiographical show and showing, you know, all of the ugly stuff about herself and that being like sort of an artistic achievement yeah. that throws herself under the bus, that would be kind of cool. But Absolutely. she simultaneously got cast as like the you know this like the voice of like modern feminism and all this stuff and like i and she cast herself as that's that, the though. thing right she got but she got like what? tempted into it in a sense right. which is like i don't know i mean you saw the same thing happen with like amy schumer she used to be an edgelord and then you know now she's like an edge lady <laughs> um <Jake>. fair enough <laughs> um but you know th- th- i think there's the irony lady tempting <laughs> <laughs> They almost offer you that as a job. Like Irony you... bras. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think like the my favorite comedy art in ge- is when you can merge those two things, the personal and the political. You it know, can't be done. Oh, I thought you were going to say Caddyshack. <laughs> 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 You're just going to name a movie. It's like, my favorite comedy is Airplane. <laughs> there's, a go- there's a gopher, and you have to get that gopher. I'm sure I'm sure there's a Zizek essay about Caddyshack and the gold <laughs> standard or something out there. But uh, if you're able to, like, do that, you know, like, make a show about the history of autism and you are autistic, like <laughs> then you're Monique has done. Uh, <laughs> but but the interesting thing is Lena Dunham, she's not, I told her, I called her apolitical a moment ago. She's actually not. She endorsed Hillary Clinton. She's a very big Hillary Clinton supporter. Also. And she rapped about it. Yeah, yeah. pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Scott Stringer, who is a New York City comptroller. She felt the need to weigh in on the comptroller's race in the Democratic <laughs> primary a few years ago. And he is like and if you and she has connect. She's of that world of of big money. People who are insulated in New York City. They're in, in with Wall Street and that stuff. So she's probably personally friends with Scott Stringer. So she's an influence peddler and she's continuing. Yeah, she's using her platform to further, you know, this this rapacious fucking ugly debaucherous thing that she should be criticizing from the inside but she's yeah celebrating and advancing it yeah i don't know man i think she just like if she could get a do-over what she should do is be like this uh, this person in this piece that's like just like sick and just surrounded by hairless cats she has three hairless cats apparently and like in the middle of the interview is just like popping blackheads on one of the cats heads while texting with amy schumer and shit gross if you wrote that story that would be like just a great anti-hero or something why are they hairless i don't i don't know man she talks about like the the sort of that weird story that went off about that uh the dog that, the dog that she like returned to that shelter and yeah. how like the guy that uh sort of you know that was told on her was like basically you know some dj who was like trying to cash in on you know this thing that happened with lena dunham she also mentions by the way as i'm talking about her pets there's a line in that piece where she's like um you know as a, a person who has a tendency to adopt late in life pets some of your animals are gonna die which just yeah true. Like, i wish i wish dr Katz was around so she could go on dr Katz. she would be good on it yeah, yeah she, she would be, be great carlos yeah. yell at her this is when when she was returning her, her dog i don't want to tell his story but it's a great story <laughs> so. this is carlos is very chill an person. equally famous person <laughs> yeah but he <laughs> apparently just lost it 
on because it was right by Precious Metal where they go to do the animal shelter thing, and she was returning the dog, and he just like started <laughs> screaming at her, which I'm having trouble imagining. What? But, yeah. <laughs> well, if you've ever heard him on the show, he's very loud. He's scream. loud, but he's His so laughing nice is that loud. it's yeah. Carlos well, at Carlos, we'll get him to to tell the story. It's his story. Someone has to tell this story. <laughs> <laughs> Demands know. to be told. I remember somebody was giving some advice about doing anything autobiographical, whether it's a memoir, a think piece, a stand-up, and the guy said, like, anything autobiographical should have, like, three elements to make it, you know, just not navel-gazing and narcissistic, and it should be born of something, it should be about that something, and then have something insightful, self-aware, and universal to say about that something, and I think her stopped at the second, and people started because they were very smart people, started projecting the third into her work. Like, because oh, yeah. I would read a lot of critics, and they would like, like critics I respect, and they would like read things into the early episodes, like you know that, that they thought she was saying, and it sounded good. And I think like by the fourth or fifth episode, people just kind of started saying, "Wait, she just has the first two. She's just talking about herself." Uh, and very accurately, I think she was very good. Yeah. At perfectly capturing a type of voice or conversation, she probably. Uh, really heard but what i found really interesting was like i used to read this uh tv criticism blog called uh Seepenwall, and he was in the tank. Oh, yeah alan Seepenwall. yeah i like alan Seepenwall, but he was in the tank for the show and after a while he and the commenters just started being at odds every time that it came up like uh they were like alan how do you still like this show like you know the emperor has no clothes but there'd always be like a handful of like 10 female commenters would always say, I don't care why people are so hard on the show. Me and my friends watch it and we say, that sounds just like us. <laughs> and it was weird that that alone was supposed to be justification. Like, just, just that. That it yeah. sounds accurate. Like, you, like the yeah. assumption that you and your friends are interesting enough to warrant um, right. a TV show. Like She's captured the voice of Four Loco. <laughs> <laughs> I think that people that watch TV and actually enjoy it don't write about it on the internet. Like that <laughs> that type of person that's like, this you know, this is great because I can project myself onto it. It's like a person who doesn't enjoy what? television or entertainment. <laughs> What's wrong with True Blood? That's what I do every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that shit's, I mean. <laughs> the thing about Rocco, because you can't see him, is he's like a hot vampire. <laughs> and we just have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, I mean, yeah, no, true, like, true Blood is probably more fun to watch because you're not sitting there going, like, this is... Uh, an avatar for other vampires in the world and them, you know, climbing the system of society in a way that then inspires vampires like myself and my vampire children. Like, that's not a sane way to look at, you know, As TV. a vampire, yeah. yeah. You do not speak for all vampires. <laughs> she reminds me of uh, Joffrey on Game of Thrones because, like, the thing that people don't understand about that character... Like, the guy who played Joffrey on Game of Thrones, apparently when he walks around in, like... England, people just scream at him and Wait, shit. Wait, is that they the blonde th guy? They throw tarts. Yeah, the little evil kid. I met yeah. that guy. You met Joffrey? I met that guy. Did you scream there. at him? Uh, did you hit him with a biscuit? I don't remember. I was drunk, but I probably <laughs> oh. did. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it almost definitely was not Joffrey, though. That's no, no, no. It was. People were telling me because I hadn't seen the show, and I took a picture. People Anders, knew who he was. get him. I, get him. I have it's a picture Joffrey. of him right here. Mm. Have you seen his post, the Game of Thrones career? It's very... He quit acting. He quit acting, and he's super woke. And, like, something has to be an act. Because when I used to watch the show, I'm like, this guy must be a real psychopath. Nobody acts as good. <laughs> and then he uh, 
gives speeches about how like you know money's not everything and you have to give to society. He's like super woke. I'm like, okay, both of these are too convincing. He's either the best actor on earth, has a split personality, or something's really off with this guy. But yeah, yeah, he's he pulls I, off both both performances pretty good. I don't know. I mean, maybe he got like it sounds like he him? was. Yeah, what the fuck? You yeah, I met him in a bar. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely him. That's what so the crazy. Fuck? How'd you get under his chin like that? Yeah, what that? the hell? I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really weird angle, dude. Oh, man. You got to tweet that fucking photo. I'll retweet it on the, okay. on the, po- the yeah, podcast. You have to see that one. He has a lot of empathy for other people because of his condition where he can't go out in the sun. But <laughs> yeah. Well, he also said like he couldn't go outside without people getting really mad at him. And because he'll burn. For being Joffrey or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it would make sense to, to be like, he quit acting, so he probably was just like, I want to wash my hands of all of this shit because clearly this is like a bad system or something. I don't fucking know. Yeah, who no, knows? That's exactly the kind of stuff he was saying, yeah. In the speeches. He was going to the universities and, you know, telling people to like care about the world and don't enter like selfish industries and he reminds me of like Bo Burnham like a 23 year old young white guy that suddenly like figured out this exact thing and now is just running around just going like you guys we have to stop shaming people (laughs) (laughs) I wrote a song about it (laughs) (laughs) Um, who I like I like Bo Burnham and I like his job yeah I respect the people who do that Um, like Rick Moranis did that his wife died and then he was just like washed his hands of the industry it's like he's like I hate this place and my wife dead i'm gonna take care of my kids yeah yeah, yeah. but it's sad because he's he was really good like like I, I wish a really hacky person would just come to that realization <laughs> and like leave us alone like yeah i actually miss Rick Moranis. never works that I've way bad <laughs> things about him what if Prick what Moranis? bad things have you heard oh, about no. rick moranis God, do you have a picture under rick moranis's <laughs> chin <laughs> <laughs> no i just heard he uh his kid went to a private school, and there was like it was a private prison. <laughs> 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 it was a private sent his child to a private prison. No, I shouldn't gossip, but it's not a good guy. Oh, you work for TMZ. <laughs> okay. What is what? happening? I don't know. I don't Sorry, know. This, he's I, got all the dirt. As soon today, as it man. left my mouth, I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. That's he, so he apparently, now. apparently, there was some other kid who uh, was. A person of color who uh, got a scholarship and he was mad about that so he called the parents and was like and was like yelling at them i'm sorry i didn't quit showbiz for this (laughs) cut that out i this is not we cannot stand the lawsuit so i apologize everything andrew says in this podcast is satire yeah (laughs) sad tire that's right rick moranis is our only patreon yeah (laughs) honey i shrunk the scholarship (laughs) um speaking of uh private prisons and the like should we talk about um the wildfires in california uh the (laughs) children that are fighting them um who are our troops as we know Mm -hmm. that's true respect them (laughs) And uh, this crazy piece by, uh, who was it, Anders? Mike Davis. Um, and then they can't fight fires when they get out of jail, even though they have the most experience of fighting the fires. Right. You're only allowed to fight them as a slave for, like, <laughs> pennies on the hour. It's spooky. A fi- uh, fire truck blazed by as we're that. <laughs> that was really that. weird. Yeah, that was yeah, really yeah, fucking yeah. weird. That was not a soundboard. That yeah. Was <laughs> <laughs> we're not, yeah, we're not that good. <laughs> yeah. Play the fire truck? That was a fucking warning. Yeah. Man, but like, who wants to fight a fire? fire. <laughs> like, why would you ever turn anyone away from that? It's too yeah. hot. Yeah. 
Well, they do. Yeah, they use the prison laborers, I guess. Um, Andrew, do you want to tell us about this piece? Yeah. So this guy, Mike Davis, who I'm actually I'm going to be getting a book of his soon. Uh, but he's a really old guy who was like a um, truck driver for a long time, but also kind of involved in organizing and stuff. And this whole time, he's like reading about Marx and ecology and just all the really smart dude. And then in his like 50s or something, starts publishing Back. books. Uh, and he wrote this book in um, the 90s called Ecology of Fear. And he's written a lot about California and sort of the, the dark underbelly of the history of cities like Los Angeles and all the fucked up stuff they've done. Um, but he had a chapter in this book that got him a lot of uh, heat, if you will, called The Case. <laughs> Industry <for> heat. <laughs> That's what Let he's talking about. Let the man about. finish. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the fire take for Mike Davis is called the case for letting Malibu burn, because uh, as he points out, this has been happening since the 30s. Uh, well, for from um, from the very he says from the very beginning, fire has defined Malibu in the American imagination, sailing northward from San Pedro to Santa Barbara in 1835. Richard Henry Dana described uh, a vast blaze along the the coast of Jose Tapia's Rancho Topango Malibu Sequit. Um, so they've known impeccable pronunciation. Thank you. <laughs> they've known for a long time that this place is just will burn every couple decades. It'll just have a huge fire, even without carbon emissions. That's just the way the fucking ecosystem works there. But they keep building these luxury houses there, and then every ten years they'll they'll start burning. And all this public money has to go to Malibu to stop these fires. And meanwhile, there's in poorer areas, there's all these fires that are happening, you know, some for uh, more natural causes or more unnatural causes, I guess. But we're divi diverting all of these public resources to uh, to pay for rich people's property. Uh, and like it's it's just a waste. And it's it you know, it but to to make this point is to contradict the idea of private property and the idea of capitalism. So that's why people think it's insensitive to bring it up every time there's a, a, a wildfire in California. But it's an important point. Really, it's just a mistake to live in California, <laughs> the state that is always on fire and being shot into the sea. Yeah. You know, it's weird. John Stossel had the exact same article, but about floods. Oh, <laughs> in, in 2003. It's, it's really weird. Like... <laughs> Like two really opposite people. Yeah, like I have it up here. Like taxpayers get soaked by government's flood insurance. And he talks about how these places keep getting hit with floods, and then, but that, yeah. But uh, then they keep rebuilding, and then they have to wash it. That's so weird. That oh, horseshoe wow. theory is real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, John Stossel is like Sub Zero, and the other guy's Scorpio. They're both two sides of the same coin. <laughs> Scorpio? Scorpion. Scorpion. I haven't played Mortal Kombat in a long and time. And he's an Ares. Right. Mm -hmm. Is he really? <laughs> Do I know? don't fucking know. <laughs> he's not a real guy. <laughs> he's John a demon Stossel? from hell. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming he still has a birthday. <laughs> Give him a break. Um, what if John Stossel did a report on Scorpio? It's like, <laughs> we don't even know when this guy was born. <laughs> Is he a Scorpio or an Aries? Does Scorpio pay his taxes? <laughs> <laughs> it's killing me. We're all calling him Scorpio. Remember that John Stossel? There was a thing he did about modern art, and it was actually pretty funny because he, he did some, uh, like, he had this, like, scam series or whatever, 
and uh, there was a painting that was going for like thousands of dollars that a kid had painted, and he talked to these like art dealers about it, and they're like, "Oh yes, it's it's so fluorescent and lovely." And then he was like, "Just so you know, a kid painted that." Yeah, and they're I, like, I remember that one. Yeah, and they're like, "Okay, still, I would still pay fifty thousand dollars for it." <laughs> Child but he doesn't genius. put the pieces together. It's like, yeah, nothing should cost fucking. We shouldn't be commodifying anything. This is, it, you know, the the answer there is. As always, Marxism. Yeah. I was gonna say, Lena stealing. Dunham painted that picture. <laughs> <laughs> All every picture of a hairless cat was done by Lena Dunham. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna pause. Um, all right. So as long as we're covering uh, climate change, uh, things being on fire, uh, flooded underwater, etc. Uh, just to tie it back to Beto, as long as he's still in the news and is being sort of um, hurrahed as you know this guy that should be running in 2020 for some fucking weird reason um something that i think is interesting and important to explain about him is um you know as he as there are these like terrible new york times pieces coming out that are trying to position him as like more to the left than bernie or something yeah um, sure. <laughs> there was one that was like you know pretty much everyone in, around in the our revolution circle is like outshining bernie they just, yeah they know, mentioned him in the same breath as barbara lee yeah, yeah it was insane and aoc which is like yeah, yeah, yeah. um that's they can push her all that's good but it's weird. Oh, yeah maybe it was aoc not barbara lee but um, um it was a few people yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's, they're just trying to slip him in there yeah. an obvious move well, because uh, by progressive, they mean young and hot. Yeah. I yeah, think. I mean, they just don't have a standard for what that means. Yeah. Um, he's not great on the environment. Um, no, he, yeah, he isn't. Like, just like this year, this campaign, he took 73000 from ExxonMobil. And then uh, of the top 20 members of the House, uh, including Republicans, he took 400000 from oil and gas industry. Uh, second is Paul Ryan at 390000 that's fucking crazy. Also, in addition to like not even oil and gas, like taking eighty thousand from Apple, all these tech industries, eighty thousand from Facebook, eighty thousand from Microsoft, seventy-seven from Amazon. Like he's a shill, like uh, all yeah. the other ones. And it's you know I didn't want to like shit on him too much while he was running against Ted Cruz because it just feels like a bad look to be you know whatever he's running against Ted Cruz. Good, good yeah, for yeah. him. But he's fuck Ted Cruz. Yeah. As now he should be examined if, if people are gonna you know bang the fucking twenty twenty drums for him. Um, yeah, I mean between him obviously having corporate interests even though he's sort of made a show of you know trying to do the small donor thing um that combined with you know this whole apac meeting i mean this should tell you everything you need to know about the person as not a progressive if someone doesn't have you know climate change on their immediate platform and if someone is frankly in support of you know in american imperialism and this whole fucking you know israel state thing um, you know, in this, fuck them. Yeah, fuck like fuck them. That's the bare minimum. You yeah. Know? Um, and I don't know. I don't want to go off too hard on the fucking Israel thing because it's you know whatever. It's not. It's a comedy podcast on some level. <laughs> um, but it's just a bad sign. I mean, it's if you don't have you know you can't call this person someone who should be related to anyone within stone's throw of fucking socialism if it's you know they're still inherently an imperialist yeah um in my opinion anyway that was um jake's serious corner uh <laughs> i don't know why i lumped that in, in the middle of a rant about lena dunham but um as we as long as we are talking about lennon uh, beto um, 2020 <laughs> <laughs> oh uh i thought you said lennon i was oh. like <laughs> lennon. John, lennon. john lennon yeah john lennon <laughs> Um, as, long, as long as we are talking about the environment, I'll do the talk show thing here. T, I understand that you have a story. 
<laughs> now I'm gonna make it sound better than it actually is. But no, this is one of those stories where you know we get mad about something, but you feel guilty by being mad about it because yeah. you feel like it shouldn't be important enough for you to get mad about. Like I felt like I was one of those like white ladies with the Kate Gosselin haircuts that wants to see the manager. Like you know, like I felt like that energy. But I went, I, I got this um, environmental like metal like coffee tumbler that you know you don't have to get paper from the coffee shop to get uh your coffee you just bring it in they refill it and whatever and every time i go in with this thing if there's any coffee or anything left in it in brooklyn at least i give it to the barista they rinse it out then they put the new coffee in there and i go to this chain in manhattan that's been popping up all over called joe and the juice and it's really a pretentious chain it's it's all over the place you ever see one of those chains that for no reason it just pops up overnight and it's suddenly a hundred of them it's it's like one of those type of chains it's everywhere but just to say i didn't go to starbucks i I went to joe and the juice which is like marginally better um i give i order the coffee i said can you put it in this i start to hand it to the barista and he jumps back like two feet like horrified like i'm (laughs) Trying to give him anthrax. He's like, I can't touch that. Uh, it's company policy. I, I can't touch it. I'm like, no, I need you to, um, you know, rinse this. And this was weird to me. So he's like, no, you have to go into the bathroom and rinse it yourself. So then I started getting pissed. I go to the bathroom. I, I rinse it. And I come back. I'm like, dude, why can't you just rinse this thing? Like, like I don't understand. And then he's like, uh, no, it's company policy, cross-contamination. But he still touches it to put it under <laughs> the coffee thing to fill it with coffee. And I might I might a crazy one. This this is one of those things I want to know. <laughs> am I the one that's off here? You know what I think? Yeah. I think this is your '90s stand-up set. Who <laughs> 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 like, are these fucking people trying to keep? What are you? Uh, Who what, are these people? What are you? What are you? What are you wearing a hazmat suit back there? <laughs> <laughs> the contamination is everywhere. He's <laughs> yelling about germs and shit. <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> See where maybe you like the Rajneeshis did this, where they would uh, let viruses out in, in open places, restaurants and things. Maybe they're scared of that in a place like Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you just you just binge watched right before you. Came yeah, out. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, this is where someone put that in a handbook. There's actually a handbook, and somebody said, "Don't touch people's cups." Like it just. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's like, like, clear, like, you you know, the thing about working in, like, the service industry in New York is that there's a million laws like that that are basically, you know, the, the point of them is not actually food safety. It's just that there's this long sort of history of the health department having a, an ability to come put pressure on businesses and then, you know, sort of uh, have this, like, you know, vague system of points that you have to, uh, you have to, to get enough points to pass your test and get a fucking B or an A or whatever, but it's completely arbitrary. I can tell you, I haven't worked in a bunch of bars and stuff. Yeah, it's so it's they can accrue fine fees. Yeah. So you think there's actual "don't touch the cup" law <laughs> on the books? That that seems even crazier. There I don't know. is a law, but it's not really enforced. Oh, okay. It's like you just kind of have to. It's fucking insane. Like if you work in a bar or restaurant here, you know, there's just a code word you yell out when a, when the health inspector shows up. Usually yeah. if you're in good standing with the health inspector, they tell you, like, we're going to come on Wednesday, and then you just make sure everything is, you know, up to code on that day or whatever. goes back to fucking whatever it was had, on Thursday. This reminds me of this crazy fucking story. The first bar I ever worked at in New York when I first moved here, uh, this place called 282 in downtown Brooklyn. Um, it, it sucked. Um, I just... 
it was my first i just had to work there um the like very first day this guy fucking this weird ass kid that eventually just told on me and got me fired came up to me and just warned me that one of my customers was a slur for a homosexual person mm-hmm. um <laughs> fucking horrible place full of you know, it's just like run by some small business psycho. Just not a good place, right? And is, is, uh, is that the burger place? Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> burgers are fine. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there was this this um, when they first opened, they were trying to get their health inspection. There was this like kind of like attractive health inspector lady that came in, and there was also this waiter that would um, just drink like a pint glass of vodka every shift and just get blackout drunk and oh he like gosh. he punched the guy who owned the place at one point and they had this long sort of dramatic thing where they were they were trying to get their health inspection and she you know she kept giving them a failing uh, mark because they you know they weren't running their stuff up to code or whatever and eventually the the belligerent blackout waiter who got fired uh, went and got drunk with the health inspector after work and totally hooked up with her and then she came back and gave them an A <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> that's why that's why that place is in business. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't mean anything. The, the the letters like you can have an A rating, and then the next day, and you know they're it's clean for one day, then they go back to fucking putting shit on the floor. I say if there's a C up there, go on, live a little. Go yeah, yeah right. Get get yourself immunized. Take a right. chance. Yeah. And you have a more control as a customer. They have to they knock the prices down if they have a shitty rating. You know. There's a uh, Nigerian restaurant by me that has, as long as I've lived in the neighborhood, a great pending. And the f- and I never wanted to go in there, but it was always packed. And I started thinking, if this thing could be great pending for this long, and people still keep going, it must be mm-hmm. like really good food. And sure enough, the food is like great. Like Their food is so good, they just don't care about trying to pass the thing, apparently. Yeah. Yeah, you just got to grease some palms, you know. Also, like, I've been hearing a lot of people because Amazon is moving to Long Island City. Like, uh, a lot of people, a hot take I've heard around the stand-up world lately is like, oh, you guys, you guys all protest this Amazon thing, but you still, you know, you still use an iPhone and you still <laughs> drink, you know, Starbucks coffee and Very shit. smart take, yes. I've <laughs> been, like, really, like, that made me so mad because it's such a clear misunderstanding of capitalism and, you know, it's that that meme of the guy in the well going oh you participate in capitalism and yet you use it fuck I, it I, dude I, it, i'm tired I, I fast food's there starbucks is available you know well it's like it reminds me of the starbucks won't throw your coffee cup out and touch it with a hazmat suit and tell you it's <laughs> cross-contaminated it reminds me of like the early aughts like green movement where it was like well instead of using bags why don't you have your kid carry something or something like, like all like solving the environment is like only down to the individual or like nothing on multinationals yeah it's something that you just uh it's through consumerism only and yeah. it's it's and it's not even like that that's really what is important to those people what's important to those people i think is to shame other people for <laughs> and not to appear consuming correctly or whatever. to appear like as if they're doing something yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's fine if you want to do something to like feel empowered or whatever yeah speaking yeah. of john stossel again i feel like i remember there was one time he had a segment about i guess trying to prove poverty wasn't real or something it was one of those type of things and <laughs> he was like following this couple like are they really, you know, as poor as they say? Or, you know, uh, he's like basically trying to say, like, they don't need a living wage. Just, they're just wasteful and they deserve to be poor. And so he's like following them around. He goes, and notice they got bottled water. You know, like, <laughs> why do they need to get bottled water if they're really poor? Like, <laughs> yeah, so basically. You drink from shame. a well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I could go off on that, but we're about an hour. So um, 
We'll save it for next time. Shout out to Stossel. Um, hey, Stoss. T, thank you for joining us. Is there anything for having you'd, me. you'd like to plug? Oh, no. Just uh, check out Champagne Sharks. Google it. You'll find it. And, yeah, that's it. Cool. Great podcast. I think I'm about to be on it. So uh, yes. check that shit out. Um, as for me, uh, my live stand-up comedy show that I run with Claire O'Kane and Ian Fidance, Yoko is back on December 12th. It'll be second Tuesdays of every month at El Cortez in Bushwick. Come check it out. I think we've got some pretty good guests on the lineup this week. Um, I've got a tour kicking off in January. I'll be going down the East Coast and then through Texas and into the Southwest. Part of it will be with my pal Mishka Shubali from uh, the last tour, if you came out for that. So you can see uh, him play some new songs, me do some new jokes. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know, if you're a new listener and you want to hear more episodes, we put out a Patreon episode every week. Sign up for our Patreon, uh, rate, review, subscribe, all that shit. Cool. Uh, I'm Raga Meta. Follow me, ACLU Official. I got a Thursday show, stand-up show in Park Slope called Airplane Mode. Please come to it, 8 p.m., Cherry Tree Bar. And also, I'm going to go to Tulum, Mexico in like three weeks. If you listen to this show and you know of fun things I can do there with my girlfriend, please uh, hit me up because I, I'm not going to just read Reddit posts Are you about gonna it. you Tulum? Tulum, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you got to go see the ruins, man. Oh, I'm going to do it. We're going to do it. That shit's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Anders Lee here. Check me out on uh, Twitter and social media. I am also doing some stand-up this weekend, uh, Thursday at Artichoke Pizza in Bushwick, and then Sunday at the Pine Box Rock Shop. Uh, Sunday's 9 p.m., Thursday at 8. All right. Meeting adjourned. (laughs) 